Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. And then we'll, uh, and I'm guessing, now I was going to ask you, um, like you like to do like the background music and stuff, like for the opening and stuff. Yeah. Um, are you gonna like switch it up to like something a little more heavy, a little more rock, because we are doing ECW? Um, I I definitely am gonna have like uh, I think I'm gonna do the same thing I did with Hulkamania, where I'm gonna like remix the ECW theme. Oh, that's awesome! I like that. So yeah, um, I kinda like that. Just like make it our retro type type like intro. Yeah. Perfect, dude. I love it. I was just yeah. curious. I let you. Yeah, you handle all that. I just figured. I just wanted to touch base just so I can. Yeah. Kind of get a feel of what it's gonna, what I'm gonna say, and how I'm gonna say it, and then we can kind of compliments or matches the background music. So. Yeah, just absolutely. Get my my tone and my tenor and everything. Yeah, right. Extreme. Extreme. Well, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, I'm I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just fucking. But. This is season two of Marking Out the Days Extreme Watch Along. We cover 1997 in ECW. That's right. Welcome, everyone, to Marking Out the Days Extreme Watch Alongs. I'm one half of your hosting squad, Dave Rosenbluth, from Kicking Out of Two here on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And as always, by my side here for Marking Out the Days season two Extreme Watch Alongs, my good buddy, the content creator, the architect of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, Kobe Knight. What's going on, bud? Hey, hey, Dave. Thank you. Uh, man, I'm ready to get extreme. This is awesome. I mean, we... Did we... you just say in our, in our, in our pre-production meeting that you weren't going to do that? I, I lied. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> kind of like, like Paul E. did all those years in ECW when he told the guys that their checks were ready. Doom! There you zingers already, <laughs> folks. And if you're and not familiar, <laughs> yeah, if you're not familiar, marking out the days, this is our second season. So the first season, you and I covered 1992 WCW Saturday Night versus WWF Superstars uh, weekly from April all the way to December. But now here we are, 25 years uh, retrospectively, covering 1997 ECW. Yeah, actually, the, the entire, well, I would say the entire Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, but this show, as well as my show, Kicking Out It 2, is going to be covering 1997 year in wrestling, so it's going to be pretty much watch-along based for these two shows. I'll be covering Raw and Nitro random episodes each week. Might take a break from 1997 here and there when, you know, the, the, the anniversary affords it, and then... This show here covering ECW from 1997. They're gonna be for this show be 45-minute little watch-along bangers as we watch ECW Hardcore TV from 1997. A lot of things took place in 1997 in wrestling, but especially a big year for ECW as we march towards the barely legal pay-per-view, the very first pay-per-view in ECW's existence. A lot of bumps in the road as we got to that got to that point. So I'm looking forward to talking about it. Me personally, it's the first time I've ever watched. ECW Hardcore TV from 1997. This was kind of like my first exposure to them when they when they you know made their appearances on WWF programming. But now I'm going to get to watch the programming here on on the cock the peacock if you will. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to this. 
Yeah, absolutely. I am too. Uh, and I think it's going to be interesting uh, having the watch along format because we're going to like intro each episode uh, very quickly, catch up with each other, um, and then get into it. And by uh, watching it, we're going to discuss certain topics that roll off of our head and maybe stuff that we have listed and, uh, you know, news from that, that time in 1997. So this will be fun for everybody. So you don't necessarily have to watch along, but it is fun when you do watch along. Um, but it, it, it's still an earful of content and, uh, great laughs and, uh, knowledge for you guys that love wrestling from the past. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be very informative. A lot we're going to cram into this episode and many more episodes to come. Uh, yeah, so sit back, relax. If, you, if, if you know, you're an ECW fan from back in the day and you want to watch along with us and relive some of your memories, that's great. If you've never watched it before, like myself, I've never watched these particular episodes before, then, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun, too. So, overall, this is going to be a really cool, uh, I wouldn't say experiment, because I think we're going to continue doing this, hopefully. Um, And, yeah, let's, let's get into it, man. Let's rock and roll. Absolutely. Before we do, you can find this podcast and many others, like Kicking Out at Two, Dave's show, in our archive over at Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching Retromania with a W on any podcasting platform that you listen to. Please like, rate, review, share, and subscribe if you dig this show. It helps us grow. We've gotten a lot of listens lately, and I really appreciate the love. And the holiday time just makes me feel warm inside, so it, it, it's it's a good feeling that uh, we got this new project coming along. So uh, happy New Year. Happy New Year's, Dave. Wink. Yes. Yeah. Very happy New Year's, yes. Um, hope your holiday was a good one. I know mine was. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, Nothing bad happened. No, not not the slightest bit no. whatsoever. Please, please. <laughs> yeah, breaking the fourth wall, folks. We're recording this a bit early, but uh, we're, we're trying to get ahead. Um, but, yeah, uh, happy holidays to everybody. I hope you enjoyed your holidays, and thank you for listening. This is, like, going on year five for the Retromania um, podcast in general, but going on uh, year three for you and I, uh, teaming up for the network. Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. A lot uh, of fun, you know, man. We've been, we've, been, we've been trying to find a good rhythm with, you know, different collaborations. We've done some, you know, watch-alongs, and, we, you know, we, the original Marking Out the Days format where you pretty much, you know, rambled on for three and a half hours about every mm. single wrestling mm-hmm. episode that took place during that time period. Um, each result, each commercial break, my God, I don't know how I made it through, but I did because I love it. And, um, you know, with that being said, then we turned it over to, you know, the pandemic, of course, took place and we, we, we were catching up with all of you. And now we're moving on to season two of Marking Out the Days, Extreme Watch Alongs. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, indeed. Uh, so if you want to watch along with us, like Dave said, cue up your cock, get your cock ready, the peacock that is. Uh, or if you have the WWE Network, look for ECW Hardcore TV. That'll be in the ECW section. Uh, season 5, Episode 1, January 2nd, 1997. Um, and when you click on the episode, it'll start to play. You can hit pause and then skip back to the beginning and just hit pause again. And when we say, you know, when we count down from 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, we say play. Once we say play, we'll be hitting play. So you can hit play too and watch along with us. Um It'll be fun. Dave, you got yours queued up? I my, my cock is locked and ready to unload. Are you ready? 
Oh, great. That's the difference, show. Yeah, sorry. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's get ready to do this. Uh, Dave, you want to do the honors? Sure. When I say pre- when I say play, press play. So, without further ado, season one, season season five, episode one, ECW Hardcore TV from January the second, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, in three, this actually sorry, this episode will go forty six minutes and ten seconds. Uh, so, without further ado, in three. Two, one, hit play. Got a little bit of a black screen there, but then here's the here's the uh, recall from last week. Times Square, jeez. And the BWO, yeah. Big Stevie Cool, and the Blue Meanie. Oh my goodness! And this was a complete ripoff of NWO at the time. Which I thought was pretty. I didn't like it back then, but in hindsight, I thought it was pretty well done and it was funny. You know, it was, they were they were kind of, you know, taking something that was very popular in the wrestling world and spoofing it and making it entertaining. Um, so yeah, I, I back then I didn't enjoy it, but looking back on it now, I, I can appreciate it more. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They're outside uh, with a gentleman and a mic, and they drop his amp. Uh, They're in Times Square. Uh, it is uh, Blue Meanie and Stevie Richards, members of the BWO. Stevie Richards uh, mocking and copying Kevin Nash, holding his fist up with one glove. And Blue Meanie has the painted on glasses and doing a lot of Razor Ramon moves. I think this is like a recall to kind of what AEW does today, like mocking the, the bigger name stars that have been around for a long time that they had might have worked with or jobbed for or you know seen in the circuit and they just realize that they're just a gimmick and uh making a lot of money so they're they're gonna mock them you know this this reminds me a lot of a lot of these ecw vignettes that you see that you know we're seeing right now you know to 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 the fans in 1997 it was a vignette on their tv show but this reminds me a lot of the the, the Being the Elite YouTube series. Absolutely. With the way that it's produced. And I know that with, with, with Paul Heyman and ECW's budget, they couldn't exactly, you know, give us, you know, five-star production values, but they they, they they accentuated the positives and camouflaged the negatives, as I've heard so many times before, regarding the ECW uh, brand. And this year is a perfect example of, you know, how they've taken... They're very, you know, very minimal production costs and made the most out of it. Yeah. Whereas in, B- in BTE, that's pretty much all done by what one of the young bucks' wife. They kind of, she kind of does it. Uh, I think they all have it. a they all have a side hand in it. Brandon Cutler, uh-huh. Brandon Cutler does a lot of the uh, the filming, and then you know uh, yeah. Matt Jackson and uh, Adam Page had a lot to do with editing for a while. Okay, um, all right. So everybody has a hand in it, which is fun. Which is why yeah. it's 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 so creative, but it it is uh, you gotta watch it to know what's going on. You know, yeah. it's an inside joke, and much as ECW was, it's an underground feel. It's a it's a niche. It's a it's a it's a click. You know, you talking about BTE or just AEW in general? BTE, AEW, and now I'm recalling it to ECW. There was a yeah. click. You know, there was like a, yeah. a, a movement or people that like we're diehards for it, you know, and that's how something thrives and, and gets through much like ECW at this time. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, you're just, you talked about the diehards and how, you know, they help the movement grow. 
Um, that eventually led ECW to um, getting on pay-per-view, as we see. looks like here a clip from a, a prior event with... Uh, the, looks like the, the Gangsters the, and the, uh, the, uh, the Eliminators. The, the Eliminators, yep. yep. Saturn, Cronus, and New Jack, and Mustafa. Rest um, in peace but, to uh, a few of those guys. Yeah, Cronus and New Jack, both no longer with us. And I believe at one point they were towards the end of 97 they were the gangster eliminators because both Mustafa and Saturn had parted ways with the company but as I was saying um, the, the diehard movement and the support of ECW helped lead them to you know getting looked at by pay-per-view companies and satellite companies to produce pay-per-view and there's actually a story here I want to read briefly from the Observer Wrestling Observer on January the 6th 1997 after a week of negotiations, Paul Heyman is said to be cautiously optimistic that ECW will be able to work out a deal with Request TV to air their planned first-ever pay-per-view in April. The deal fell apart after Request TV president Hugh Panero learned of the mass transit incident from back in November. Panero said he initially thought ECW was just another wrestling promotion like the WWF and WCW, but after learning they were more violent, adult-oriented, and had some, he had some concerns. As the new kid on the block, they have to demonstrate that they, ECW, are up to the same level of professionalism as WWF and WCW, Panero said. My people thought they were like WWF and WCW, and when we found out differently, we started to do more research. I have no intention on, of banning them. Viewers' choices still decided against carrying the show because of the angle with Sandman's son, and they aren't budging on that. Losing viewers' choice probably cuts a good 30% of pure profit from the from the potential money the show would likely make. If they do good numbers on Request TV, then viewers' choice may be influenced to carry a second pay-per-view in the future, but it depends on how well the first one does. So, hmm. as we, can, as we you know, we're watching this here, 1997, it's, it, even, even, you know, four months before this planned pay-per-view, it's still up in the air. Yeah, I mean, look at look at how much blood we're seeing right now, just from the New Jack and uh, Saturn, and you know the segment with the Eliminators and the Gangsters. Yeah, and you know that's another thing too. Where as we're watching this here, um, you, you also have to remember for those of you that are listening that are that are you know diehard ECW original fans, or for those of you that are brand new to watching it through Peacock, ECW was not on a prime time network. It was not you know shown prime time in a good spot like you would see a, a nitro or a raw or a smackdown or even a thunder it was late at night on syndication yeah. most times in the, at least here in the northeast you have it on msg the madison square garden channel or i believe um i want to say nesson sports or the original or what became nesson was MSN. the original sports channel in the boston area okay they carried i think they carried ecw as well so late I at night on a I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Late at night on a Friday or a Saturday evening. And so, like, we're talking 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I would stay up to try and watch some of these, <laughs> and they wouldn't even air scheduledly because they didn't have a, 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 a scheduled rotation on some of these networks. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, so I'm I'm about to turn 10 this year. So I'm nine years, not not in 2021 or 2022, I'm sorry. In in the year 1997, I'm 9 years old and yep. I'm like I'm obsessed with wrestling um and I'm looking for ECW any way I can cuz I see it in the magazines um in the the Pro Wrestling Almanac um and uh, like you said like I I'm from Maryland, which is the state right below Pennsylvania, which Philadelphia 
is the city that hosts um, ECW mainly at the beginning, you know, around this time mainly. Um, So they're a Northeastern promotion, like you said, but it was so hard to find the channel or a TV guide that would list it. Um, And it was like, like you said, like two or 3 a.m. in the morning where it would come on. And you, you, of course, I'm nine years old. I'm not staying up that late um, or even allowed to at that point. So, uh, yeah, it was very hard to catch any ECW at this point. So ECW was a rarity. And look at those belts. It's just stripped uh, United States championships uh, with, you know, different emblems on them and then no, no side plates at all. No, those belts look like they got some miles on them. Yeah. Um, There we see them right there up close as we get a close up shot, uh, a promo from uh, Perry Saturn and John Cronus. I told you the John Cronus story when I met him years ago, right? I I was scared to possibly we can retell it for this version of marking out the days as they do the wavy effect on the video <laughs> the wavy oh my god look at the production qualities of this yeah. this is wild people if people if this was if this took place if someone aired their content like this in 2021 i'm telling you right now the internet would be all over it oh all okay. over it. the internet wrestling community would shit all over this yeah um work the indie show as a part of a ring crew in uh, Meriden, Connecticut in the fall or the summer of 2002, maybe, I want to say. And uh, John Cronus was a part of it. Jason Knight, who was the bodyguard of Justin Credible on ECW television, had a promotion in Connecticut called Assault Championship Wrestling. And he was the top babyface. Of course, if you're the promoter, got to be the top babyface. Got to <laughs> gotta, gotta have to gotta be gotta book know, him the main strong. guy. Yeah, got, yeah got to gotta be put over strong. So, um, he brought in some ECW guys from now and then, Kid Cash, Balls Mahoney, Axel Rotten. So he brought in Cronus, and Cronus looked nothing like what we're seeing here on the television. Heavier set, um, just a, a shell of himself. And so they had this like big like eight-man tag hardcore match. It was a brawl all over this like little VFW, um, blood everywhere. You know, plunder, baby. There was plunder everywhere. And so we're breaking down the ring at the end of the night, putting it in the ring truck, and Cronus comes outside. With like another guy, probably like a buddy of his. I don't think he was involved in the business. And the dude says to me, he goes, uh, I need a ride home. And we're all, look- me and my buddies are all looking at each other like, oh, this is John Cronus, ECW. Like, you know, so I, I said, where are you going? He was like, Philadelphia. And I said, and he like grabbed one of my friends by like the shoulder. And like, I didn't say he like jacked him up against the wall, but he's like, you got to get me out of here. You got to get me a ride home. I need a ride home. My ride's. My ride's not here. I need a ride home. So I was the driver out of our friends of the ring crew. I had my parents' minivan at the time. So I couldn't explain to my parents that, hey, by the way, I'll be back in the morning. I got to drive six hours to Philadelphia. So I said to him, I go, grab your things and we'll, we'll, we'll meet you out here. So then I found one of the wrestlers who was in charge of the ring crew. I said, you guys have to distract, distract John Cronus. <laughs> He's pretty much trying to force us to go bring him home in philadelphia i got my parents minivan i can't do that so he ended up distracting him for me and we ended up grabbing that truck and grabbing my van and fucking flying out of there i think we even missed a couple of pieces of the ring (laughs) we were trying to get out and he was and he was covered in blood shit-faced with all due respect he's no longer with us you know intoxicated dry blood he had a gaff over his forehead just it's still in his ring gear his match has long been over with who gave me a ride who gave oh, me a ride? Yeah, 
It was uh, wild. It scared us to death. We we're like, one of my buddies was like, let's just do it. I'm like, no. Like, my mother would kill me if I brought, you know, if I brought the rig, you know, brought someone wow. you know, to Philadelphia with the van. Are you kidding me? I was wow. pretty young at the time. I think I was like 17 or 18. But, yeah. um, no, I was actually a little older than that. I think it was 19. But as we're watching here, Shane Douglas in a referee's uniform here. Yeah, bring us up to speed. Um, there is Brian Lee in the ring with Fit Finley. They had a match. Fit uh, Finley? That's not Fit Finley. I'm fucking with No, that's Louis Spicoli. <laughs> I think so. Or that's Zip of the Body Donnas. That's Zip. <clears throat> is it Zip or is I that Louis? I think that's Louis. Is that Louis? Hold on. Yeah, that is Louis Spicoli. What was he doing? Was he doing a... A body Donna's ripoff this gimmick? This is 1996. Uh, we got to get ourselves caught up to speed with some ECW here. So um, we'll, we'll we'll eventually get caught up with the rhythm of the booking. Hopefully things don't change too much. I think Brian Lee is going to be going away this year. Yeah, it's Skip and Zip. It's somebody. It's Zip. Because uh, I see Chris Candido right there and Shane Douglas. Brian but Lee. Candido's beating up Zip, so. Yeah, I think he turns you sure on it's him. Not Spicoli? Uh, I don't know. We got to look this up now. Yeah, now we're going to have to do some research. Sorry, Uh-oh. folks. Uh oh. Very good stuff, Dave. We'll- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're off to a roaring start here on our stream watch long. Um, Joey Styles. With that awesome background there. They're like, it's they must have used so much Sharpie on that. Oh, I know. Little, little, little known fact here: Joey Styles used to film these segments of television in the basement of Paul Heyman's parents' house. Yes, yes, very. Cool. While Paul Heyman's mother was ironing Paul Heyman's clothes. DIY, do it yourself, man. <laughs> hey, you know what? You got to give them credit for using all the resources they can with the finances that they had to to make a. I dare I say a national impact on yes. the wrestling world. I wouldn't go as far as say global, but they were, they, I mean, they were the, the number three promotion. And at this time they were building momentum to eventually get on pay-per-view and, and getting some traction and getting noticed. And like I said, this is basically a glorified indie promotion with television. If you want, if you really mm-hmm. want to think about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were on. It was like a almost like the cable access. The last, the last like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The last little uh, uh, glimmer of territory days yes. until until the the big purchase. You know. Yes. And it yeah, was they, Louis yeah, Spicoli. Were, it was Louis Spicoli. That was Louis Spicoli. Yes. Okay. Oh, God, this is, this God. is pretty cool. I like this here. The ECW Cam Fam footage. Yeah. This is kind of cool. It is Chris Candido and Rob Van Dam, who, uh, man, got those airbrush uh, cool outfits. You know, at the time, he is one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, I was insane about trying to find anything Rob Van Dam. What about you? Um, I, I The first time I obviously noticed who Rob Van Dam was was when I'd seen pictures of him in the magazines like the after mags but not until he made his appearance on WWF programming as a part of that ECW invasion um, in 1997 which I'm sure we'll cover at some point I know that I'm I know that I'm kicking out of two I'm gonna cover some of those episodes where they appeared on raw but um, 
the uh, yeah, I was fascinated by by his style, of, you know, in ring work, and he was he, he was fun to watch. And then I got to see him in person um, at a at an ECW house show in 1999 in Connecticut. They it was like it was like one of the only shows they ever worked in Connecticut. The very few, mm-hmm. and uh, he wrestled Spike Dudley in the main very event. Cool. And uh, yeah, it was a lo- it was a lot of fun to watch him live, and I became. I noticed him more and became a fan of him more and tried to follow RVD a little bit more. I didn't really get into his fandom super hard until he caught steam in WWF WWE when he after the uh, the, the purchase of uh, of WCW when he came over. So, um, but yeah, this was early on where I caught notice of him and I really I really enjoyed watching him. Yeah, um, cool stuff. I, I did get to see him live eventually uh, in 2003 at a house show, um, and it was an outdoor show at a uh, uh, at the Frederick Keys um, baseball arena, Harry Grove Stadium. Um, and actually, speaking of Spike Dudley, he was there, and he said his grandfather was Harry Grove. So, no uh, yeah, uh, interesting tie in there. But uh, Rob Van Dam uh, faced off against Brock Lesnar. Great match! Oh, nice! Yeah, it was awesome, dude. Um, nice. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was in heaven. Um, Two thousand three, that was. Yeah, RVD. Um, yeah, just this past year, or I'm sorry, last year, I should say, got into you know was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in front of nobody in the Thunderdome, which I thought was out of. I mean, I watched that Hall of Fame and it was the shits, but RVD speech was probably the 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 one that felt the most organic out of them all. Um, whereas everyone else was reading off a teleprompter. He didn't sound like he was talking off a teleprompter. Uh, he sounded like it just came straight from the heart. So, yeah, but yeah, he's still, keep, he's still keeping himself pretty busy. He's married and he does some appearances. And I don't, I think recently within the last several months, he, he announced that he's been having some, uh, some, uh, some head issues regarding like concussions and stuff oh, wow. from, you know, all the bumps he's taken. So, um, but every interview I've read and, and watched with him, he seems, you know, still coherent and, you know, up to speed and doesn't, doesn't seem like he's missing a beat. So no, not at all. Um, it's, it's really cool, um, to see his last run in impact wrestling. It, it was, it, he still had some good, uh, matches and, you know, move sets that are classic, you know, still to this day, though, you know, you talk about five moves of doom, quote unquote, but here we see him doing like the rolling, uh, you know, jump, you know, the rolling thunder, you know, it, it, it's like classic stuff from Rob Van Dam that has uh, been adapted by other people, you know? Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, RVD um, was definitely, as they say, one of a kind. Uh, his His in-ring style was very unique. And I think that's I think that was what helped bring him to another level on the mainstream. Like after he, after ECW had closed down, people knew who he was, but it was his in-ring style that really got him over. People say like, oh, his his laid-back personality and the airbrush tights, but I feel like he's one of the very few guys where he can get over with his in-ring move set than a personality because everybody knows that. You know, in today's wrestling, you have to have some kind of personality to get over. But RVD, I think, is one of those exceptions. Yeah. People will watch him regardless because they enjoy watching what he does in the ring. They don't give a shit how he talks 
or how he presents himself. As long as he's exciting to watch in the ring, that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. And that that frog splash that is awesome. Look, look like that you know leap right there that he just took. Um, just oh, yeah. high flying skills, awesome stuff. And speaking of, you were talking about the airbrush suit, and I did too. I mean, you can't go without saying that with RVD. But I, I was recently watching uh, 2002, the debut of WWE Confidential. Do you remember that show? Okay. Yes, I do. I used to watch that regularly. Uh, so uh, it's the very first episode, and RVD is on there talking with the guy who airbrushes his suits, and they go through the process, um, and he does like a little suit uh, right there. Um, it, it's pretty cool. But that guy has become synonymous with a lot of wrestlers. Um, you I know, think he did Ryback stuff too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's done a lot of other people's. Um, but yeah, he became a name after that. But I saw the face that that of the artist, you know, and uh, that show was interesting uh, for the time. Yeah, it was kind of like a shoot style format where they kind of like took a peek behind the curtain that broke the fourth wall, I guess you as you'd like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you can clearly tell that they were building for Shawn Michaels' return. Vince McMahon was like, "What I want him back? Oh, I." I'd love him back on TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there was like, uh, they went to Trish Stratus's house and she kept teasing her hot tub and her bedroom. Very sexual, you know, highly sexualized at this time. Oh, yeah. In this period, uh, even now in 1997, and ECW was synonymous for that. They started it, ooh, as we see a big chair spot and ref bump with the spinning back kick from RVD, which is classic. But yeah. Even the, the ref bumps back then were kind of stupid. Yeah, and it it made no sense because you could cheat, but it was like, why have the ref down then? You know. Yeah. There's so no rules. If if and you and if you had no rules, why have the ref down? Yeah, why have a ref? Right. You know, at this point. Well, you just and look at it, and, yeah. and Douglas shows up. He just handed Candido the chain as if you know he was trying to hide it. Candido hides the chain in his tights, but there's no rules. Oh, oh there we see, Louis Spicoli. Decked out in a referee shirt. Is he going to make the count? Well, what the heck happened there? Did he hurt himself on the way into the ring? Did he slide in? Hit his head? Because I don't remember. Oh. What the hell just happened? Oh, he played possum with oh, Candido. Oh. oh, all right. All right. That Very was kind close. of okay. weird. Uh, it, it, it makes Spicoli sense driver. when you're explaining it, but if you can't do it right. Ooh. Very good. There we go. One. Two, three, and RVD wins over Chris Candido. Yeah, you know, uh, that's the thing. Like, And New Japan got to a level of that, too, where Red Shoes and some of the referees allow like chair usage and cheating. And, and it's just like, well, what's the point of, you know, I, I, those, are, those things are for a reason. And I, I don't want to get Jim Cornette about it, uh, but, you know... Uh, it does make sense when you're trying to psychologically build your program or wrestling, for example, you know, your show, like you yeah. can't do all this shit like AEW. They allow so much shit, but then all of a sudden you'll have a DQ and it's like, wait, what about all the shit that just happened? You know? Yeah. The continuity's not there. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. You gotta have rules. I know people hate hearing that, especially, uh, the new <gasps> generation. Jesus, did you see that? Wow. That chair shot. Hit him right oh. in the face. Right, right in the eyes. Yeah. Um, but you know what, though? At the same time, you could make an argument that, that the lack of continuity 
um, and the spontaneous nature of the ECW uh, programming was what made it so popular. Yes. You know, yes. Like, I mean, if, if it wasn't for, let's think about this. If it wasn't for that, this style of programming, you may not see other wrestling promotions going in that direction. Like you said, AEW with, you know, not really conforming to rules. People have taken a lot of, a lot of places have taken a page out of ECW's book and tried to implement it into their programming just for ha-has. As we see, it looks like a video package here or clips of the, the, um, the few, the, between Taz. Taz and Sabu. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, things evolve. I'm just saying, you know, uh, there was a reason for those those things, but uh, excess is everything now. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, while we're while we got to pause in the uh, the action here, I wanted to continue with uh, with some stories here. We're about the, uh, we are about 24 the, minutes and 15 seconds in. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, that's a good call, actually. Just, uh, you know, remind people where we're at in case, you know, um, you're lost or whatever, your internet's acting up. Uh, we, uh, excuse me. Um, so, uh, at the uh, Wrestling Observer reported um, this week in 1997 that ECW is having to make some compromises in order to get requests to air the pay per view. Request is, is concerned about any scandals like the mass transit incident or a repeat of the famous fire incident, and they want ECW to put safeguards in place to make sure nothing else like that happens. Blood will be allowed as long as they don't overdo it and if they are a warning at the beginning of the show. No stabbing motions with sharp objects will be allowed. For example, no one will be allowed to do an Abdullah the Butcher gimmick and stab someone with a fork. Right. Crest also wants paperwork on all the participants on the show to make sure they're of legal age. And if Heyman has any last-minute surprise participants on the show, request has to be notified in advance. They also want a medical team on hand, which ECW already does anyway. So, once again, another huh. uphill battle to get ECW's pay-per-view to air. Yeah, um, and seemingly this mass transit incident did happen recently, so uh, it's still big talk, you know? It's fresh, yeah. It's, fr- it's, it's fresh in the wrestling community, and... Uh, you know, I, I I can understand why. I mean, I twenty five years ago, when I heard about it, you know, on the internet, um, reading about it, I didn't really grasp how serious it was until years later when I saw the footage and saw the the, the people commenting on the, on the ECW documentaries, and it, I was like, holy cow! I was like, that was just way too far. Like ECW was, you know, extreme, you could say, but. Um, Speaking of extreme, why the fuck is Joel Gertner not wearing a shirt? I always hated that. I mean, but it, it fit the slimy character. I guess so, yeah. I guess so. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, like I said, four months out and just another hill for them to climb to, 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 to get to be on pay-per-view. Um, another story broke that... Uh, ECW possibly getting their, their pay-per-view canceled, with many hardcore fans claiming the blame on Wade Keller of the Pro Wrestling wow. Torch. Keller interviewed, Keller interviewed Panero asking about the pay-per-view and his thoughts on the mass transit video, which Keller believed Panero had already seen because Paul Heyman had said that they sent the tape to Panero. Turned out Panero had never heard about it and learned of the incident from Keller. 
when he investigated the issue that eventually led to them canceling the pay-per-view. In the end, Meltzer says Wade Keller isn't responsible, and the blame for almost losing their pay-per-view rests on ECW alone. They've let the company oftentimes get out of control and have ignored warning signs and let these problems go unchecked for far too long, and in the end, it finally came back to bite them. For a long time, ECW has been a powder keg, ready to blow, and it could have ended a lot worse. So, uh... Yeah, now we got infighting amongst the internet wrestling uh, dirt sheet writers as to who's to blame. Jesus. <laughs> Interesting Turning stuff. Out Meltzer's reporting that Keller was the, oh, well, was the one to that blame. That goes to show what was. the fuck he's been about for years. For, you know, 25 years. Dave Meltzer just shits on whoever else reports and, you know, has the insight or the inside stuff. Uh, man. Yeah, he makes himself look like the hero at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he's no. given a lot of like uh, stars to their to their matches around this time too, you know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we have Joey Styles sitting here talking. Uh, it's a lot of dialogue from Joey Styles. He's really your main host and tossing to everybody. Uh, we see Shane Douglas here with Francine. Yes, um, Shane Douglas obviously uh known for his previous runs as a dynamic dude and a dean but um around this time i was a fan you know i he piqued my curiosity because he had a little bit more of a seriousness to his character but as the years have gone on and i've watched um older stuff with shane douglas there really wasn't anything special to write home about outside of that ecw bubble yeah doesn't hold up they, they, like when he went to WCW, I thought like, oh, you know, there's a chance. You know, he's a fresh face and he's got a little bit of notoriety from ECW. But when he came to, you know, or when when, when he was there, just it, he was just like everybody else. There was nothing special about him. So yeah, and no disrespect, he's talented. I'm not saying he isn't, but I don't know. Just wasn't that wasn't it for me? Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Um, I, I was intrigued. I was a fan and I didn't get too much ECW. So the stuff that I did see of him, I was like, Ooh, he's, he's good. You know? Um, yeah. and he did put on some good matches in ECW. Um, no, I'm not saying he didn't, but I mean, outside of ECW, like, like he peaked here. Yeah. The, he, the he, franchise he, turned into a shitty, uh, rundown place. Yeah. Like he, he, he peaked in ECW and he, you know, when, when he made it to WCW, it didn't, you know, he just, he wasn't the same, he, but I think he was also in an environment where he was surrounded by more talented people. And so therefore his wrestling ability and his ability to talk in ECW had him stand out because not everybody had the wrestling ability that he did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There was he two school. Two Cold Scorpio, Chris Jericho, Pitbull. A lot of a uh, lot of names at this time. Uh, a lot of crossover too, because uh, you know um, guys are integrating into WCW and WWF back and forth. the The contracts are almost like a year to two years, so it's pretty quick. Sometimes uh-huh. even shorter with the agreements for WCW. Um, you know, like famously Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, he he worked with ECW for a brief period of time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he 
was uh, he was in there for a cup of coffee, but you know what 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 little time he had with them got him noticed, uh, and we saw the the origins of the the Stone Cold character. Yeah, absolutely. As we see Francine taking down her skirt to show off the franchise panties and a little bit of the booty. And who do we got there on the, the ring apron? Is that the other pit bull on the yes. outside? Yes. Gary Wolf? Yep. Okay. And this was the angle where... Uh, was Wolf. this the start of the angle where, where, where Douglas <clears throat> broke, broke one of their necks or something? Yeah, Wolf had been uh, paralyzed, I believe. Uh, okay. Or, you know, broke the neck, and he, he was in one of those halos, and uh, Shane Douglas had messed with it. Or messed okay. with it, uh, grabbed him by it, and threw him down. You know, it, it was pretty violent. I think that was last year, or the, briefly before this, maybe? Or, or we might be leading to it. I, I think I'm, we're leading. I think I think this is leading to it, because he, he uh, Douglas, and uh, your, uh, Pitbull number two, the bald one, uh were involved in, um, you know, a match at uh, Barely Legal. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the spot where they put Francine through the table. I could be spoiling it, or it could just be, you know, making a mountain out of it. Yes, Heat Wave 96. I think this is, yeah, yeah, I think this is when they put Francine through the table. Wow. Yeah, this is a big moment. Violence against women. She's going through a table. Yeah, this is definitely not 2022 friendly that's for sure no no uh, uh I, I i never got into or had that much exposure to the pitbulls so i never uh really followed them or or knew too much about them uh, as far as like you know to give them credit uh whether they were good or not yeah i mean all, all you know right around this time period like I said, I call. Oh, here we go! Boom, through the table. Wow, fans are going crazy. She took a Most, hell of a bump. She Francine, did, and I'm sure she took a hell of a bump in the other way too. <laughs> it's interesting how all these fans are going nuts that they put this woman through a table. But I bet you, about it's a hundred percent. Eighty-five percent of them in the building have never. Never even had sex before, so. Well, there's a couple women actually there. I don't think they were cheering. Maybe they were. Oh. Yeah. We get two referees in here because things, reasons. Oh. Took a piece of the table, broke it over his head. We're going to get the cover. One, two. Ooh, kick out. Of course. See, this is the era of everyone kicking out of each other's finishes and, and the, the the heavy... Uh, you know, uh, the false finishes. Absolutely. That's always been around. People just notice it more in, in today's wrestling. Brass, Brass knucks. knucks. Hiding it from the ref, even though there's no rules, still kicks out. Wow. And this is what, this is what ECW detractors yeah. don't particularly care for, is you use all this plunder and all these gimmicks to try and take a guy out, kicks out of them all, but then, is he going to kick out of this one? Yeah, kicks out of them all, but then it takes a schoolboy to finish the guy. Yeah, sounds after like AEW. Did, I'm sorry? Sounds like AEW. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, 
you know, and sometimes they can pull it off. But yeah, it's like you use every fucking thing in the book. And then what, what do you do next? I know, right? Slow it uh, down. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Belly to belly. This will probably be the finish right here. I bet one, two, three. Yep. You just, you hit him with brass knuckles, a chain. You broke a piece of a table over his head, but the belly to belly that did it right. Yeah. That that was the, that, that sealed it. Makes sense to me. Give me a fucking break. (laughs) My God. Uh, we're shitting all over the first episode here for the uh, new Marking Out the Days season. I know. Season two, we're off to a rip-roaring start. <laughs> we're almost, uh, we are at 35 minutes and 40 seconds. Yes, we are. We most certainly are. Um, oh, here's an interesting ECW tidbit. Former ECW wrestler 911 debuted in WCW this week under the name Tombstone. Apparently, according to Dave Meltzer, the name is a rib aimed at Paul Heyman because when Heyman first broke into the business as a manager, he managed a guy named Tombstone. But I think that's a little bit of a stretch, me personally. Uh, I can see it being like a call to Undertaker, mean Mark Calloway. I can see that too, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, um, interesting. Interesting stuff there. All these reports from back in the day are going to be interesting to uh, to hear, you know, retrospectively. Here's something, here's something you might like, okay? This would be kind of funny. This is not ECW related, but apparently in this, in this particular week's Wrestling Observer newsletter, someone wrote in a top 10 Dave Letterman type list on 10 reasons why Sid, Sid Vicious, Sid Justice, Sid Psycho Sid shouldn't be the WWF champion. Oh, Number boy. 10, while... They might have the same skills. At least Bob Backlund can talk. (laughs) Oh, he can talk all right. I can talk real low because next door, my wife is there. But I got a little kid next to me. And remember uh, our our rib on Bob Backlund. That's a callback to Mark and Now today. His construction construction business. Yeah, yeah. Okay, continue on. I'm ruining it. Go ahead. Number, Number nine. Raising his fist in the air is going to confuse the audience into thinking he's part of the Nation of Domination. <laughs> Number eight, poor Bret Hart is going to have to be able to work like Manami Toyota to carry him to a dud. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, the last time I drove a Toyota, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't trust it. Uh, and, it, it and it backfired on me. It screwed me over. <laughs> Before we continue with the, this top ten list, I think this is what we're talking about here, the the angle where Douglas kind of yanks Gary Wolf after he broke his neck. Yeah, so a lot the, of these uh, ECW hardcore TV shows are recaps, essentially. Yeah, which... I don't I have don't, a problem with. No, I don't have a problem with it either, but I'm just curious their reason behind it. Is it they Are they trying to... Well, some oh, episodes... Some of the other matches on these shows so bad they had to like copy and paste and clip and edit stuff, or... I think I think they were they were they were a touring company, so they wanted to get uh, as much of the storylines in as they could uh, in the hot cities that they would perform in, or the hot you know the hot nights that they would have these angles going on. So uh, a, some episodes would be like Monday Night Raw, where it would be a catching up episode, you know, um, and then introducing like uh, okay. backstage segments. Um, so yeah, uh, um, go on with the list. I'm interested in this list. Actually. Which we're kind of seeing here right now with with this whole, you know, sh- you see the wrestlers come out from the locker room. 
Yeah. So you see Paul Heyman there, then uh, Todd Gordon, uh, Joey Styles, other wrestlers um, doing the whole breaking the fourth wall deal. But uh, number seven on this top ten list as to why Sid shouldn't be the champion no longer has a squeegee to clean his belt with. Wow. Number six, Brian Pillman is liable to shoot him. (laughs) Number five, Arkansas already has one idiot on top. Oh, my God. Number four, Jim Helwig is at least more reliable to show up. Holy shit. These are really good. Number three, value jet will take higher than his take you higher than his choke slam. <laughs> number two, this is great. This should be number one, but this is number two. Number two, might shoot if an opponent calls a leg scissor spot. Oh <laughs> my god! And number one, the karate fighters have a better work rate. <laughs> Jesus, that is really really good. Yeah. Some zingers. Uh, man, then we get more backstage footage here on ECW TV um, with this situation with uh, Gary Wolf. It looks like Joel Gertner's now involved. Yeah, he tried to be snide and uh, get on the ring announcing uh, the mic. And I guess who was that? Who's the. Uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name. Todd? Todd Gordon? Yeah, Todd Gordon. Well, there's. There's Paul Heyman. Yeah, there you go. Looks like we see the the Dudleys in there. Balls Mahoney. It's a mixture of like heels and baby faces. Well, he's trying to he's trying to rib the like Joel Gertner is trying to fucking make a joke out of the situation. So they're like, get the fuck out of here. So yeah, everybody's uh, he's he's getting some heat for sure. Oh yeah. Wow, so yeah, at this time, 1997, let's build everybody up with what's going on in the rest of the wrestling world. Uh, WWF is gearing up for Royal Rumble, right? This is a big change. This is a big moment for Stone Cold Steve Austin, too. Um, This is a big moment for a lot of people. Shawn Michaels, too. Um, uh, This is... (laughs) Sorry, this is interesting with the girl in the ring. I'm not, I don't remember this at all. Sandman's wife. Oh, it's Sandman's wife. uh, Lori Fullington. Being looking very strung out. And I mean that in every way possible. uh, With Louis Spicoli, uh, not Louis Spicoli, shit. Mikey Whipcrack uh, going against Raven. Yeah, actually, uh, Raven. uh back in the wrestling world uh, as a part of the uh, NWA commentary team, uh, which i kind of kind of happy to see Ravens involved in wrestling because I think he was very, very underrated in his contributions. Um, this character really took him to another level, and, you know, his, his run in WCW following this wasn't, um, wasn't anything to write home about. He had some good moments, but nothing too great. Like he could have been a big deal. And then of course, WWF, he was just everybody. He was just like everybody else. He was nothing special. So Vince didn't even know they hired him until he saw him in the locker room one day. Wow. That's the story I've heard. Wow. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Raven part of the NWA commentary team, which I think is pretty cool because he's a good talker. That's really cool. Um, yeah. Getting a wrestling match here at the end of the show. Um, so at least some wrestling going on, not some backstory, but we see some BWO people in the crowd. Yep, it's actually BWO. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. That, she definitely does look strong out. Oh, Holy yeah. shit. 
And I'm sure My that's goodness. for the character, right? Like, oh, yeah. No, there's no way she was doing drugs with the guys in the back. I mean, yeah. So, uh, WWF gearing up for that big moment for Shawn Michaels. Uh, and uh, WCW, what's going on there? Uh, they are building towards the sold-out pay-per-view, which is the NWO-only pay-per-view. Um, a great concept in theory, but the execution of it is pretty poor. Um, actually, later this, later this later this month, I will be um, I will be doing a blind date diary review of the um, of that pay per view because I've never watched it from start to finish. I've I, I watched one match or two matches on that show years ago, but I've never watched it from beginning to end. So I'm actually going to torture myself and watch it, and then give you guys my recap, my blind date diary of my my very first time watching. Uh, w or NWO sold out from uh, January of 1997. That's just in a few weeks. I'm kicking out of two, so uh, look forward to uh, putting that one out there for you guys. But um, yeah, they're they're well on their way to hyping that. The WWF was headed to San Antonio in the Alamo Dome for the Royal Rumble, so there was a lot of uh, a lot going on to start 1997. As we see Raven making quick work of Mikey Whipwreck, and now we see the Sandman. Uh, making an appearance. Yeah. Um, speaking of that event, the sold out, uh, I mean, can't go without saying it had Masahiro Chono defeating Chris Jericho in the opening match. Uh, and to think of those guys now. Then you had uh, Eddie Guerrero and Six in a, in a ladder match for the U.S. Heavyweight Championship. That was one of the matches I've watched from that event. Yeah, big stuff coming up for those companies, so that's what's going on there. Uh, Sandman's wife hitting him. I'm not sure the storyline. They always tried to involve a spouse in ECW. I, I believe I believe the, the, the storyline here between these two was that um, you know, Sandman being the, the, the man that he is, his wife and kid had, had enough of you know his drunken debauchery, if you will, and they were brainwashed and poisoned by Raven to kind of follow him and you know be his you know part of his his group his flock or whatever i don't think there was a flock at the time um and it just got very personal i believe if i'm not mistaken this was after the uh the 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 angle where they where they crucified sandman with the cross uh the the famous spot where kurt angle was at that show and he told them to you know, if you put me, uh, you put my likeness on that TV, I'll sue. I want no part of that. And they ended up not airing the, the, uh, the spot because it was so controversial. Even the fans in attendance were, were, uh, were pretty pissed about it. Yeah. Those Philadelphia fans are rabid. So, yeah, but some of them are Catholic too. Uh. <laughs> it looks like we are closing out this episode of ECW Television. Hardcore TV for the very first time here on season two of Marking Out the Day's Extreme Watch Alongs. Next week, we will watch uh, the January 7th, 1997 episode where uh, they'll be talking about, uh, we'll be discussing the, the Raven Sandman rivalry as well as Taz. And, uh, looks like uh, Killer Kowalski. Yeah, if you want to scare yourself, appearance. if you want to scare yourself, watch Killer Kowalski for the first appearance. God. <laughs> Looking like a corpse, Jesus. Uh, yeah, um, that's 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 going to be interesting uh, to see where the storyline goes for 1997, leading up to this first pay per view for this company. Um, 
and it'll be interesting watching these because I, I don't recall, you know, watching these chronologically. I've maybe caught a couple episodes here and there in 1997, but uh, I'm looking forward to this for the year of uh, 2022, retrospectively going back 25 years um, and uh, getting extreme with you. 97 was a big year. I mean, 90, you know, people... People talk about 96, and a lot of things took place. You had the birth of Austin 316. You had the, the, the Hulk Hogan heel turn with the NWO. Some big moments took place in wrestling, but 1997, it just continues to build. And I, I, I think 97, on all aspects between you know WWF and ECW and WCW, they just kind of turned the corner and really pushed wrestling into the mainstream. And, and we'll be... Uh, We'll be covering all that and some on not only this show, but as well as my show, Kicking Out of a Two, on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, bear with us because Dave is eventually going to get the studio back and we'll be off the phone. Um, so we'll be crisp and clear on both ends. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're still giving you the content, so don't fucking complain this holiday season. Uh, yeah, please. Yeah. Don't, otherwise you're going to get more than just coal in your stock. <laughs> Enjoy, everybody. Happy holidays again. Happy New Year. Um, Dave, uh, happy New Year and to uh, more podcasting with you this year for the Extreme Watch Alongs. Yes, look forward to it. Thank you, my friend. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.